All right, so tonight we are going to look at instructions for using the mantra. And then after that, um, we'll see, we could go maybe into the circus in the meadow. But we'll start with this message and see what happens. Instructions for using the mantra. Today, let's talk about the practice of the mantra and how this practice is best used to quiet the mind. The quieting of mind is essential to awakening or to realization of self. This is because thinking acts as a blanket that covers self and hides it completely from view. Therefore, it makes sense that if one is to realize self, he must remove the blanket. This is the purpose of the mantra. When it is not used fully to remove the blanket completely, it can still be used partially to enable one to have peaks beneath the blanket. These peaks are helpful, valuable, in fact, to the realization of self because they help one realize the goal in a very real way. This increases the desire to strive for the goal through devotion and practice. So um, this now reminds me of Bentino's practice. It's very, very similar. You know, Bentino recommends that people take breaks, three to five seconds, I think it is, without thought, just to be awareness, right? As many times as possible during the day. That's really what the mantra is also for, and we'll, we'll learn how to use the mantra in a moment. But the point is that when you say the mantra, you say, I am that I am, and then you just rest in that silence after you say the mantra. And again, you know, probably for about two to five seconds or whatever. It's probably about the same as the Bentino teaching. It's just that the mantra is the transition, right? The mantra is the transition from the thinking to that two to five seconds of silence. And longer, if you can do longer, it's just, that's about all I can ever do. <laughs> and then the mind kicks back in again. Now, it's interesting because he talks about using the mantra fully. There are people who are able to focus on a mantra so much that all other thoughts stay away because the mantra is the only thought that's really in the mind. They say it over and over and over again. And eventually other thoughts just die from lack of attention to yourself. Yeah, so nobody has to think you're a crazy woman. Yeah, just saying it inside your inside your own head. Um, I have never been able to use the mantra that fully. Whether I will someday or not, I don't know. But at this point, I have never done that. So I'm one of the ones who has used the mantra partially to get the peaks, right? Which, But I've never been able to just, I am that I am. I am that I am. I am that I like nonstop throughout the day. But there are stories of, of people who have done that and have reached awakening through only saying a mantra. And but just being so consistent with it that other thoughts never have the opportunity to get their attention and eventually it just dies from starvation. That's probably the honest truth. It's probably better than not saying it. Um, but yet you get the most effects when it's said with the heart, undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, but I, but I would not avoid it because I can't feel it right now. I would go right. ahead and say it anyway, even though it maybe it's a. I, w- I would do that. Yes. Yeah. Don't listen to that judging mind. Just you know, do your best with the mantra. So our purpose is to quiet the mind as much as possible, and it is also our purpose to quiet the mind in a sincere way which is different than quieting the mind through denial or fear. So let me give you just kind of, I'm going to do some acting here, if I can, and let me give you an example of of what people do, how the people, they use the same tool, but they use it in a way that's not at all helpful, okay? So let's say I'm starting to hate somebody, right? I'm starting to hate somebody in my mind, and I see that, (gasps) you're like, oh no, I'm bad, I'm not supposed to hate, like they're trying to force it away, mm. not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Right? That when you're trying to, you know, you're so scared of your own thoughts, and you're trying to use the mantra to push your own thoughts down. You're just using the mantra for repression. That is not helpful. Now, let's say I'm starting to hate someone. Okay? And 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 uh, I'm starting to hate someone, and I see it. Okay? To say, I do not want to choose hate. I am that I am. And you know, and then shift if you can. Can you hear the difference in that? It, you know, it, it, like it's a subtle difference. It's a, it's a difference of fear or de- heart desire. Right? Mm-hmm. Fear or heart desire. And and so you want to say the mantra with the heart desire, not with the fear. All right? So this last paragraph then So our purpose is to quiet the mind as much as possible. And it is also our purpose to quiet the mind in a sincere way, which is different than quieting the mind through denial or fear. Let me teach you how to use the mantra. So here we go. The first rule of following the practice of mantra is you will use the mantra as often as you remember. Now that's an interesting rule. This doesn't say you will say the mantra a thousand times a day or a hundred times a day. It says as often as you remember, right? Try to avoid remembering the use of mantra and still choosing not to use it. Resistance may come into the mind in this way. The reminder of mantra may appear and then a thought that you are too busy in the moment to do it properly and so it is better to do it later. That is nonsense. If the reminder of the mantra has come into the mind now, then now is the perfect time to do it. So, and of course, this is just an example excuse. Your mind may come up with another excuse, like, um, I'm not feeling it in my heart now, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to say it, or, you know, something else, right? But this is saying, no, if the thought, if the thought has appeared to say the mantra, that's when you should say it. If the thought only appears once a day, okay. That's, and then you can only do it once that day because you only thought of doing it once that day. But what, what Ramana doesn't want you to do is to see the thought that one time and still not do the mantra, right? So don't judge yourself for how often the reminder appears. Just do your best so whenever the mantra, mantra appears to say it to yourself. The second rule of practicing the mantra is it can be done with eyes open or eyes closed. 
Eyes closed can help to bring full focus to the mantra. But if one is involved in an activity such as driving, when the reminder comes to do the mantra, the restrictions brought about by the activity are not limiting to the usefulness of the mantra. So if I'm standing at the kitchen sink doing the dishes, you know, and I'm in the kitchen alone, and the thought comes to do the mantra, if I want to, I can just pause for a second and close my eyes, say, I am that I am. And then open the eyes and go back to the dishes. But if I'm driving the car, maybe if I'm in a conversation, it might show up while I'm talking to someone. You know, because I can say it to myself without them knowing it, right? But I, but I might not want to close my eyes. They might be like, hey, what are you doing, right? So, you know, if, if it's just an inappropriate time to close the eyes, you can still say the mantra with the eyes open. If it's an appropriate time to close the eyes, you might want to try that. That might bring a, a fuller focus. But it's not necessary. Rule three is to practice the mantra with love and devotion. Say the mantra from the heart. I have told you that the mantra is a gift of awakening. Cherish it as a very precious gift. In the moments that you give to the mantra, give with the love that you would give to the most precious of all gifts. The mantra is a practice of devotion or love and discipline, which is defined here as consistency. But let the heart focus on love. Discipline is the decision to practice the mantra every time you remember. But love is the way to practice. So again, if you can bring devotion to it, that's most helpful. But like I said, I wouldn't avoid doing it if the reminder came in the mind just because you aren't feeling devotional in that moment. Rule four is that you be willing to stay in the stillness of the mantra. Before the reminder of the mantra appeared, the mind may have been busy with world-based thoughts. You are not taking a break from thoughts when you say the mantra and then quickly returning to the world. You are using the mantra to let go of thoughts because they have no real importance. You are releasing your attachment to illusion and returning the mind to the heart, which is peace and stillness and willingness to listen only to me. So again, my mind is worried about whatever, yada, 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 yada. And then the thought comes in to do the mantra. You say the mantra. You stay in the peace. And hopefully the peace is long enough that I'm able to not go right, right back to the yada, 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 right? I mean, I, I see clearly that, you know, my mind was just spinning, um, and I'm able to kind of let that go. Now, for many of us, the yada, yada, yada is going to return anyway because of the gravity that we've created through the habit of listening. And so if it does, what we may find is the reminder to do the mantra also returns, right, because we're still engaged in... Um, Really unimportant thinking. And so the mantra is showing up, and we may do the mantra a few times then until uh, the habit of listening to that story is fully released, and then it kind of kind of goes. But that's really what the mantra is. It's a tool to help you 
move away from unimportant thinking. When I say the mantra, again, unless I'm just in a place where I can't, I almost always, I mean, I close my eyes. You know, this, that, that giving all of my attention to the mantra and to the heart is, seems most helpful to me in most cases. But then again, there are times when you can't do that. So, yeah. so again, those are the four real rules of the mantra. By the way, the mantra is, I am that I am. Many people have asked me, can I pick my own mantra? I would say it's okay if a mantra picks you, but you probably shouldn't pick yours. Does that make sense? You know, it's okay if a mantra picks you, and and that does happen, and you may recognize it when that happens. But I wouldn't go like, oh, I like this one, I'll use this, because that's the ego picking the mantra in that case, right? So a mantra may pick you, which means you might not be using I am that I am. But try to avoid the temptation to pick your pick a mantra. <laughs> and if, if you don't, if a mantra doesn't pick you, then I am that I am is is good. You know that was the name that God gave to Moses and Ramana Maharshi. Now I did not know this yet because I'd never read Ramana Maharshi. But Ramana Maharshi says the whole truth is expressed in those words. I am that I am. And he says the method is be still. But the whole truth is expressed in those words, I am that I am. So, uh, you know, he, even in, in life, not just as inner Ramana, but even in life, he put a lot of value on this, this, these words. Well, and this is why some people don't like this mantra, actually. I've had several people tell me they don't like it because they don't understand it. Actually, if you look at the four rules, not one of them says you have to understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's really good if it resonates something inside of you. That's very helpful. Yeah. So the four rules, use the mantra as often as you remember. It can be done with eyes open or eyes closed, whatever feels right for the moment. Do your best to practice the mantra with love and devotion. It's always more powerful with your love added to it. And then be willing to stay in that stillness that follows the mantra. Any questions about the mantra? So obviously our homework this week, I mean, we're not done yet. I think we can go on to the circus and the meadow. But obviously our homework this week, we're still going to continue surrender. We're not going to let go of surrender. But we're going to start practicing the mantra when we feel, when, when the reminder comes, we'll just try, just say it. Just just do it, see what happens. Okay, so we'll move on to the circus and the meadow. Lots of people have told me the circus and the meadow is their favorite message in the inner Ramana. You the mind is very active. If you watch it, you will see it is much like acrobats in a circus. It is always jumping this way and that, bending and turning, and it has some very amazing moves. But it is a circus. It is not at all representative of reality. In fact, it is a complete distraction from reality. You will never notice reality if you remain focused on the circus act of the mind. And any of us that have paid any attention to our mind knows that this is a pretty good description of it, right? (laughs) So now, our primary interest is to lose interest in the mind. 
It is very tempting to pay attention to it, just as a great circus act catches the desire of your attention. But deep within you, there is a desire that wants to settle within the meadows that surround the circus tent more than you want to be caught up in the circus. So we are turning our attention from the ups and downs and spins and tumbles of the mind to the everlasting tranquility of the meadows. And there is much happening in the meadows too, but it is real, which is much different than the circus. Um, I think it's interesting actually that this little parenthetical statement had to be added what this shows is that there is a part of our mind, and when I was the scribe of this, it was still a part of my mind. There's a part of our mind that thinks that the mind is interesting and that the rest of silence is boring. <clears throat> right? And so this is telling us, no, there's a lot in the meadows too. Right? It's telling us not to believe that thought that the silence is boring. You know, try it out, find out for yourself. Yeah, and it's, in, it's interesting to ask ourselves, too, at least I found it interesting, is to ask myself, why can't I be happy just sitting here in this chair? You know, why is it that I feel I need to grab the phone or turn on the TV or, you know, why can't I just sit here and be and be happy? And at least what I found is as I asked that question, something in me surrendered, you know, and, and I would be able to sit and, and be so, again, asking the question is not judgmental, right? I'm not accusing myself. I'm just turning my attention to, you know, to kind of look at it and inquire a little different and maybe create a little shift. So I can just sit here for a few minutes. Okay, the bottom of page 17. True stillness cannot be achieved by quieting the mind through meditative practices for part of the day, and then being wrapped up in the stories of the mind the rest of the day. Yeah, I turned two pages. The rest of the day. This is like running in and out of the circus. Sure, you may experience and know the tranquility of the meadow, but you are still addicted to the hype of the circus. The circus remains real for you. You will never be free through partial abidance. Only total abidance can be totally freeing. And there are just millions and millions of examples of this in the world if we knew them personally. People who meditate, right, in the morning, and then they get up off of their cushion and then go right back into the world, right, just completely, you know, without any, any attempt at discernment or spiritual practice as they go throughout the day and this is saying you know that will that just won't do it you know that that partial abidance is not going to do it you're still an addict (laughs) the mind is going to want to think you are going to be drawn back into the circus but an inner response to this desire as soon as you notice it is most helpful to awakening The inner response is one that turns your attention from the noise of the circus to the quiet love for the meadow. 
This is the purpose of the mantra I have given you. It consistently and repeatedly throughout the day turns your attention from the circus and back towards the meadow, which is your truest of desires. So again, when we notice that our mind has jumped back into the circus, a thought, a reminder, will often also now come into our minds now that we've been initiated in this mantra. A thought or a reminder will come to say the mantra now. Saying the mantra, I am that I am, is like turning away from the circus tent and back towards the meadow. Right? That's, that's what's happening. That's what the mantra is doing. We're turning away from the chatter and back towards our love of the silence. Wear the mantra like a layer of clothing. Practice it throughout the day, whatever you are doing. The mantra cannot be practiced too much as we are teaching the mind through desire to remain still. So, uh, believe it or not, another resistance thought that can show up, we talked in the previous uh, message about how You know, maybe this isn't a good time, I'm too busy to say the mantra, and so you don't say it. Another type of resistance is if you're remembering to say it, like, over and over again. Another resistance is, you know, there's the, the idea that comes in is that somehow you're doing it too much. Like, you know, get off it. You know, you're doing it too much. You only need to do it every now and then. If the reminder is coming consistently, and you're able to do it consistently... Don't listen to that thought that is trying to get you to stop that, right? You know, kind of the way I the way I take it is kind of trust what comes, you know. Trust if you're only saying it once a day, trust that's okay. If you find yourself saying it steady for half an hour, trust that's okay. Trust that the prompt is coming to you in the way that it's supposed to for you right now. And just say the mantra whenever the prompt comes. at the bottom of page 18 surrender is a means of living within the world while releasing your attachment to the circus the body remains as do the senses of sight smell, hearing, taste and touch in this way interaction with the world is non-avoidable as long as the image of the world remains in the mind attachment to the world continues to build the image of the world and all the false concepts it represents. Non-attachment through surrender releases the world within the mind, which allows a slowing of its images and a fading of illusion from sight. So what he's really saying here, and he'll go further into it, but he's saying, now that you have the mantra, this doesn't mean drop surrender. Because the mantra and the surrender work together. For example, you may find yourself all worried. Oh no, you know, company is coming. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And then the thought comes to do the mantra. You pause. You take a deep breath. You know, you remember your love of the meadow. You say, I am that I am. Go into the silence. And then say, what am I to do now? Right? And trust it, right? So, so the mantra takes you away from that storm 
And then, and then the surrender allows you to live in the world without having to return to that storm, right? And the feeling comes up, you know, just do this, you know, and then you say, okay, I will do that, and you, and you go with whatever you feel. So the mantra and surrender work together, both with the same purpose of keeping you from uh, being addicted to the mind, from having interest in what the mind has to say about whatever, right? Notice this says that when you are surrendered, when you're listening to surrender, you're also being non-attached. Now that, of course, is because you don't have your own ideas about what you want to do. Right? When we have our own ideas, I, w- I really want to, you know, clean the windows. Because if they come and they see these grimy windows, you know, they're going to think I'm unworthy. Right? They're going to think I'm a poor housekeeper. I really want to clean the windows because you're attached. I really want to clean the windows because, right? You have a story about it. You're attached to cleaning the windows. However, if you are in complete silence and then you say, what am I to do? And clean the windows comes. That's non-attachment because you don't have a story behind that at that point. You are in silence, right? Um, Now, what I found, and you may or may not find this, what I found is that especially in the beginning, often the ideas that came were not what I was attached to. Uh, And I think that what that was doing was teaching me to be unattached. So if I was attached to the idea of cleaning the windows, for example, and I asked, what am I to do now? I might get take a walk, you know, or, or something different. And that's because I was really still attached to cleaning the windows, and this is helping me to break that attachment. But at some point, what starts to happen is that you know, for lack of better words, your will and this will become one, where there aren't these differences anymore, you know, and this is what people call being in the flow. You know, you can't really distinguish between what you want to do and what it wants you to do because there's no, there isn't that separation anymore. Um, so a change begins to occur. You know, it begins to just be very, very natural. Or another way to describe it, actually, is you might start to notice that you have no will. Therefore, its will is your will. Because you don't have a will anymore. You're just willing for whatever it says. And that, of course, would be non-attachment. Attachment keeps the world going. The circus is in full swing. Non-attachment lets it fade until only the meadows remain. I, I remember when I was writing this, I kind of had these images in my mind about you know the circus tent, the old-fashioned circus tent, and it was actually in the middle of the meadow. It was surrounded by the meadow. It wasn't surrounded by a parking lot or anything like that. It was surrounded by the meadow. And as long as you were outside the circus tent, it was just blissfully quiet. And it was kind of a golden-like meadow, and it was just blissfully quiet. But if you peeked inside... Mm, there was all of this, all of this noise, all of the time, right inside the inside the circus tent. So this says attachment. You know, again, thinking, you know, about things keeps the world going, and that circus is in full swing. But non-attachment lets it fade. So I remember when I wrote this sentence, I remember seeing that circus tent just kind of start to disappear, so that till in its space. You know, there was only a, a, a ghost of a circus tent. 
Like the circumstance wasn't as real as it was in the beginning. And I'm sure that eventually it just disappears completely. But the meadow is what became the sole focus of attention. Like the circumstance became unimportant and began to just fade away. That's what non-attachment or surrender helps. You know, that's what it takes us to, is where that circumstance, that thinking, just begins to fade. I love this part. Sitting with me for hours each day is also helpful because my presence and my certainty strengthen your resolve. In this way, I ask you to be my student. Now, this is really interesting because really what he's asking us to do is to spend as much time as we can every day in, I'm going to say, meditation and contemplation. Because if we spend that time every day, well, he says it strengthens our resolve. I would say our heart becomes more apparent to us. And we want to follow our heart that day instead of following our head. When the mind is not occupied in the silence of the mantra, let it be used for the purpose of surrender. This way the mind is always used purposefully. And one's toes will wiggle and curl delightfully as they feel the coolness of the meadow's ground beneath them. So again, use both tools together. Surrender of the common practices of the day, such as what to eat or what to wear, when to sleep, what to say, and when to speak. Surrender of such practices is letting go of ego because ego indulges itself, its sense of self, through ordinary practices such as these. Probably the one practice that people really notice the most that ego indulges itself in is our choices of food. Ego gets so involved in helping us choose what to eat. Which means every time we let ego get involved in making those food decisions for us, we're reinforcing ego. So to learn to say, what am I to eat now? Or to learn, you know, to feel that intuition about what to eat is really, really helpful because even our eating is reinforcing ego. One thing I like to practice when I go into a restaurant is I like to practice just... I say, I let something pop out at me, you know, on the menu, just pop out at me. And once it pops out, that's what I'm eating. I don't go on looking to see if my mind wants something else more, right? I eat whatever kind of jumped out at me. And at home, the same thing. I open the refrigerator, my mind will just start, or my eyes will just start seeing things. And, my, and I'll start to envision something I can put together. And I just start grabbing, I just start putting that together. I don't, I don't like to spend a lot of time thinking uh, you know, oh, what do I, am? you know, there's all kinds of thoughts. Some of these thoughts are so deceiving. Uh, thoughts about calories, thoughts about um, organic or not organic, thoughts about, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what all, there's just so many food thoughts. Quality, for, there's so many food thoughts and they're all ego. Yeah, they're all ego. Exactly. So just learning to be very intuitive in the way you eat, as well as the way you dress, when to go to sleep, you know, uh, 
just just try and, and make all of these common common practices surrender because if they're not being guided by intuition they're being guided by ego there's only two choices here even after following a practice of surrender mind will want to think about that practice it will want to be proud for listening and following or will want to analyze the meaning of the act you were guided to follow or will want to imagine the results the impact or the next step all of this is returning to the circus so when you see the mind acting in this way practice the mantra to return the mind to the meadow so this is interesting you know and if you pay attention to mind you'll you'll see every one of these tricks first of all you know, you're having a day where you're asking and, and feeling and following, and then you're like, ah, man, that's, I'm so good. You know, I had a good, you know, and, right? That's returning to the circus as soon as you jump into that. Um, or, uh, you know, you, you maybe um, feel this very strange prompt, like you feel this very strange prompt to uh, go up to some person and, um, you know, offer them something. Like, oh, you know, can I buy you a drink? Or, you know, it's something that seems very out of character for you. And, you know, you buy them a, a soda and you have a little, what appears to be meaningless chat with them. And then you say, okay, well, thank you. Uh, you know, have a good day. And you walk away. Then the mind's like, oh, I wonder what that's all about. I bet they were having a really bad day. And the fact <laughs> that I bought them a drink, you know, and you, your mind just starts making up stories about the fact that you followed some intuitive guidance there. It's okay not to know what it's all about. You know, because if we get into the mind's stories of making up a story about why we were guided to do that, we're just right back in the circus again, right? What's the third trick he points out here? Oh, or it will imagine uh, the results, the impact, or the next step. One example was when I received the guidance to move to Pueblo. The most common question I had over the next year is, "Why are you going to Pueblo? What are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do there?" I didn't know. And I stayed very firm in, I don't know. But, you know, other people had suggestions. You know, maybe you're going to do this, and maybe you're going to do this. And, you know, other people were running off in their imaginations, imagining the next step. Try to stay just with what you know. All I know is I'm moving to Pueblo. I'll find out what comes next when I get there, you know. So try not to run off imagining, imagining what's coming next. So I'll read that paragraph again. Even after following a practice of surrender, mind will want to think about that practice. It will want to be proud for listening and following, or it will want to analyze the meaning of the act you were guided to follow, or it will want to imagine the results, the impact, or the next step. All of this is returning to the circus. So when you see the mind acting in this way, practice the mantra, to return the mind to the meta. All right, now here I had some questions, at least one question. What do I do with this strong resistance to the practices you are asking me to keep? And I was having strong resistances. In fact, at one point, and I'll show you where when we get there, you know, I'm writing all this in a spiral notebook. At one point, I threw the notebook, got up and walked away, and the rest of the message never came. Um, for me, that was an extraordinary amount of resistance. I've never done anything like You hear stories about people throwing the course and stuff, but I've never done anything like that. But I did in writing this little book. Um, so I, I had strong resistance to saying the mantra 
and practicing surrender. So I'm asking, what am I going to do with this strong resistance? Here's the answer. Understand that all resistance comes from your willingness to listen to resistance before. It is an echo from the past that is being picked up and heard now. To listen to it again is like shouting into a cave again. The echo will only return. So every time I believe my resistance, and I say, I don't want to say this mantra, I don't want to surrender, or or however else I act that out, right? It's going to come back again. I just shattered into the cave. There's going to be another echo, another feeling of resistance. Oh my God, I just hate this inner Ramana stuff. It's going to come back again. Every time I give in to it, you could say I'm recreating it, right? One may stand at the mouth of the cave and shout at his own echo forever, and the echo will not die. It will only return more frequently, and if his shouts get louder, the echo will get louder too. The way to end the feeling of resistance is to stop shouting in the cave. Be gentle with yourself. When you are feeling resistance, quietly and gently practice the mantra anyway. This practice will not hurt you. And because you are passing on the temptation to shout into the cave, the echoes are beginning to die. And practice will come more easily in the future. So every time we listen to our resistance, we strengthen it. If we recognize the resistance, recognize it, but choose to do the practice anyway, that's the beginning of weakening the resistance. And if we're able to do that pretty soon, the practice is natural and easy and the resistance is history. I love, I always have loved this paragraph. He caught me by surprise as the scribe when he said, be gentle with yourself. I expected him to say, if you're feeling too much resistance, don't do it. Right? No, he didn't say that because if he had said that, he would have been, coaching me to shout in the cave, right? He says, be gentle with yourself and do it anyway, (laughs) right? That's how you're going to get past this resistance is by not listening to or believing the resistance. And that makes sense because that's the way it is with all of our ego thoughts, right? The way we get past them, the way we transcend them is by not believing them or not listening to them. Same thing here. So that's the circus and the meadow. And again, it's a pretty cool analogy. The mind is the circus with the acrobats. And of course, the meadow is the, the stillness. So again, our assignments are going to be much easier. We don't need to come up with our own assignments. This book gives assignments. Um, and so this week, we'll just continue practicing sur- surrender, and then we will add the mantra to our practice. So let me stop the recording.